You are listening to As a Woman, Episode 15, Motherhood and Medicine. In this episode, we are talking about what it means to be a mother in medicine. I am talking about the highs, the lows, the ins, the outs, the trying to decide when to have kids, how to have kids, what it means to have fertility issues, what it means to be on maternity leave, and when is the best time. The truth is that there's no perfect time for everyone. You must decide what is right for you. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition, while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. Well, welcome to episode 15, Motherhood in Medicine. So this is a big thing. Like this is part of what as a woman is all about. How do we take care of all the different things we want to take care of? And this is a topic that I have been on all sides of. I have been the medical student not sure when to have a family. I have been the infertility fellow struggling to get pregnant. I have been on all sides of it. And now I'm working on that balancing act of being a working mom. And I want to start out right now and just say, even though this episode is called Motherhood in Medicine, it is not just for mothers in medicine. This is for moms, for working moms, for women in high-pressure jobs or fields, women who are trying to climb to the top, women who want to have it all. Pretty sure that life in medicine is pretty similar to life in law, tech, science, engineering, business, all of it. And that's because the truth is that It is hard to be a mom, period. It is hard. And it can be hard to get pregnant. It can be hard to have infertility. It can be hard to be pregnant, to have a newborn, to go back to work, to balance it all, to not feel guilty, to try and do it all. Motherhood is hard. But I am convinced, sitting here on this side of the table, going through all of the things, that we only make it harder on ourselves and on each other. And I'm over it. There is just too much stigma, too much judging, too much shaming over things that are very personal choices that other people should have no opinion on. Things like if you want kids, when you want kids, how many kids you want, how to have your kids, if you're going to go back to work after having your kids, how you feed your kids, how your kids sleep, all the things about your kids, about all the choices you make, all the things that you do. There is just stigma, judgment, and shame. And nobody is right. Nobody is wrong. But what is wrong, what has no place any longer, is judging each other. Making other women feel less than simply because she's making different choices than you would make. Choosing to put someone else's choice down to validate your own. Nope, guys, we're done with it. And the culture is really bad in medicine where this is survival of the fittest. If you can't cut it, you're kicked out. The system trains us to be hard, to be similar, to think the same, do the same, diagnose the same, react the same. And some of these things are really good and they help take care of patients. But we are not all the same. In medicine, more female physicians suffer from infertility than the general population. A study showed that women physicians have two times the rate of infertility, one out of four, versus the general population of one out of eight. 
and female physicians will wait on average 7.4 years longer to have a child than their peers. Certainly, age and waiting is a part of it, but I don't think it's everything. As I've mentioned before, I think some of this is a combination of waiting and aging, but also the life in medicine, stress, toxins, lifestyle, diet, habits, and a delay in conception. But this delay in conception is a part of the problem. The number one question I get asked, the single most common question, when do you have kids in medicine? And I think talking about the same study, the thing that was most shocking to me is that women physicians overestimated the success rate of IVF. So if you're listening and you're purposefully delaying having children for any reason, I think it is really important to know that you can't just wait and say, I'll just do IVF. IVF will work for me later. No big deal. It's not really that simple. IVF does not work for everyone. And the success rates are higher the younger you are and the more eggs that you have. But I get back to, well, so when do you have them? Is it better to have children in medical school, in residency, in fellowship, after training? There is no answer. Girl, you have to do you. You do you. But you need the data to choose what's right for you. This is where age and fertility and your goals all intersect. This first struggle about deciding when to have kids is to make sure you're correctly preventing having kids before this time. And so let's start there, the pre-baby phase. So you're in medicine, life is crazy, maybe you're 22 starting med school, and you just know you don't want a baby, but you don't want to harm your chances of having a child later. What birth control options are the best for you? Let's think about what all options exist. You could not have sex. You could use condoms. You could do a natural family planning method, which is like the calendar method where you avoid having sex on certain days. You could use oral contraceptive pills, which is usually a combination of estrogen and progesterone. You could use a long-acting progesterone method, like an implant, Implanon or Nexplanon, an injectable shot, which is the Depo shot or Depo Provera, or an IUD, which can either be progesterone, which is the Mirena or the Kylena, or a copper IUD. Now, for the most part, they're all great. Just as I support women in their fertility journeys and being aware of their body, I also really support you in preventing pregnancy in a family until it is right for you. So you must understand the option you are choosing and make sure that you know how it works. Meaning, if you're going to say, hey, I want to be hormone-free, so I'm going to do natural family planning. Well, girl, you better know that that stuff does not work if your period is not perfectly regular every month. And you also need to know when you're ovulating so you can know what days to avoid. So those are some keys you need to find out in research if that's what you're going to do. For oral contraceptive pills, there have been studies showing there's no long-term impact for fertility. That's probably one of the most common questions I get asked. Certainly, here's the thing to know about birth control pills. One is that you are taking estrogen and progesterone, The estrogen is at a high enough dose to prevent your brain from sending out FSH. Remember that FSH causes you to ovulate. So if no FSH is sent out, no egg is recruited, no ovulation happens. Well, you need to take the pill the same time every day in order for it to be effective contraception. Otherwise, it will not prevent you from ovulating. You also should know that prevention of ovulation in a long-term form like that is really good for preventing ovarian cancer. If you've used birth control pills for over 10 years, you have more than a 90% reduction in the chance of ovarian cancer. 
which is a women's health physician, that is one of our most deadly cancers because it is detected so late. So that's a great side effect of birth control pills. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited that summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. In addition, you have naturally lower testosterone levels with the birth control pill. That's because, not because it messes up your hormones, but because it increases your sex hormone binding globulin, which is a hormone that binds testosterone. And so your circulating testosterone levels are lower because it is bound to sex hormone binding globulin. This means less acne, your skin is clear. That's why a lot of dermatologists love it. Also, you are going to have less period symptoms like less cramping or menstrual problems. Now, birth control can sometimes take about a month longer in longitudinal studies to get pregnant. So when you come off the pill, it may take you four months to get pregnant versus three months. However, there's no higher incidence of infertility. So by six or 12 months, based on how old you are, there's no higher chance that you're not going to be pregnant. Now, the thing about birth control is that it can mask underlying problems, meaning if you're not ovulating, you're not going to know because the sign of not ovulating is irregular periods. And you're not going to know if your periods are irregular because you're using birth control pills. That means to me, it is important for women to stop the pill before they're like ready to be pregnant. So I usually say, hey, six months before you want to get pregnant, stop the pill, go to condoms. That way we can gauge what your periods really look like so we don't miss anything. 
What it does not mean is that everything is perfect because you're on the pill or that the pill messed up your body if you have no period when you come off the pill. That's something going on with your body that you are treating. You just didn't know you were treating it. Long-acting birth control, so the implant, it goes in your arm. For the most part, it can be removed, although removal is not always as easy as we'd love it to be, so we really don't want you to get it and then get it taken out right away. It is a long-acting progesterone, very similar to the Depo-Provera shot. Now, the shot specifically, I don't really love either of these for women who want to get pregnant in the next couple of years. Depo-Provera, the shot, is a long-acting form of progesterone, and women can have trouble ovulating for up to 18 months after an injection. So it is preventing pregnancy for three months. That's why you get the injection every three months, but it can prevent ovulation in some group of women for up to 18 months. And so we don't want to be in that situation. An IUD is a great option. The copper IUD is just basically an inflammatory response inside the uterus. And a progesterone IUD is very similar. It also thins the lining so you have very light or no periods. Similarly, if you have a Mirena IUD or any progesterone IUD and you stop having periods, it may be because the lining is so thin that there's nothing to bleed, even if you're ovulating. Mirenas or progesterone IUDs do not always prevent ovulation. But if you're not having a period, we don't know about your ovulatory pattern. So in similar fashion, I want your IUD removed about six months before you're ready to get pregnant so we can see what your periods are doing. So that's about preventing pregnancy. The short term there is, hey, do something that works for you based on when you think you want to start trying to get pregnant. The big question is, what's the best time? And I was a medical student who sat in the Starbucks with my friends and debated this question. We debated it because we were, I got married in med school. I could have had a child my fourth year. I could have had a child in residency. I just didn't know what was right and what field would let me be a mom, all of these things. And I've said it before, but I'm going to say it in this episode. I let fear prevent me from really exploring what field I should have gone into. And you guys know if you've listened to prior episodes that I matched into emergency medicine, did a year, and then changed to OBGYN, which was perfect, a great choice. But I was so afraid that OBGYN was so rigorous that I wouldn't be able to have a child or be a good mom afterward or that I might miss out on motherhood if I chose that field. And it's so important that I'm going to say it again. You must pick a field that sets your soul on fire, that you love the content, you love the physiology. It must be worth it to you to leave your babies at home and settling for something because of lifestyle, like I'm air quoting lifestyle over here, that is not going to get the job done, you guys. And so that's the the first thing. You need to pick your career path based on you, your career path, without a thought about when you're going to have kids. Because here's the truth. Really listen, there is no perfect time to have kids. I couldn't have imagined having kids in med school. I was struggling to stay on top of the content. I couldn't have imagined having kids in residency. I couldn't I didn't do the laundry. I would fall asleep at weddings. Residencies, I mean, I really, I fell asleep at a wedding. Residencies are exhausting in any, any field. And if you think that life after training is going to be easier, I am on the other side telling you it is not. I mean, certain things are easier, but the thought that it'll be easier to have a baby then, that is not really the case. 
And that's because here it is. You've worked so hard for this, so long for this job, and you want to be successful. If you're in private practice, you need to get patients, go in market, take the best care of them. You can't go be out on maternity leave very easily. If you're in academics, you're trying to rise to the ranks. It's not easy to have a kid at any point. That is what I am saying. Waiting for a specific time to start your life, living contingently to have a baby does not make sense. So the first thing is to realize that there's no perfect time to plot out on a calendar. And when you are ready to be a mom, either by yourself or with your partner, that's the time that is right for you. I really started realizing at the end of residency that having a family was really important to us and we started trying. And guess what? We had infertility. We had a lot of losses. I had an ectopic pregnancy. We had things thrown at us that we were so unready for. I am such a planner that I thought for sure I'm going to stop my pill and I'll have a baby and it'll be delivered this many months and that'll work out perfectly. And here's the thing. It doesn't work like that. You don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what your journey is going to look like. And to act like you're not going to be one in the four female physicians impacted by infertility is really not smart. 25% is pretty common. It's going to happen to you or to your friends, and you might as well be prepared. And so how are you prepared for something that may or may not happen? I'm not over here trying to scare you. I'm over here trying to change your mindset. I want you to know, one, use whatever contraception you want to use, whatever fits your life and prevents your pregnancy until you're ready. Two, there is no perfect time to have a child. You must just figure out when are you ready to be a mom. That is an entirely new adventure that is amazing and wonderful and beautiful, but you have to be ready for it. There's no shame in never being ready for it. There's no shame in being ready for it when you're really young. It is your journey, your life. This is between you and a partner if you have a partner. Number three, there are options if you are purposely delaying your childbearing that you should be aware of because you can't make decisions about things that you don't know. So for example, if you know you're not ready or you haven't had a partner and you're purposefully delaying, you should consider egg freezing by the time you're in your early to mid-30s. That is the time when you're going to get the highest number of eggs and at the best quality. If you have a partner, but y'all are purposefully delaying, you should get a fertility evaluation at some point, at a minimum, a test of ovarian reserve, like the AMH blood test. Because if you are running out of eggs at an earlier time and you've met your life partner and y'all are just purposefully waiting, you could have done something earlier and you might make a different decision if you were aware that you are one of the women running out of eggs. You should know how to try to get pregnant, meaning you are too smart. There is too much information. I have an entire podcast, Naturally Infertile. Go listen to that one, talking about how to get pregnant. So educate yourself so you are making good and efficient attempts at getting pregnant. And don't be afraid to go see a specialist. I promise I'm nice. I'm not scary. If you have issues, irregular cycles, severe pain, difficulties with intercourse, then do not wait. Go right to the specialist. Get an evaluation right away. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And if you are older, then you should consider seeing a specialist or getting a fertility evaluation before you even try to get pregnant just to identify problems early. And you can always wait and see what life brings you. You can be open to other forms of parenthood if you happen to run out of eggs and you're okay with egg donation, if you're okay with fostering or adoption, realizing that these are all a little bit alternative paths to parenthood. They are wonderful and beautiful and they exist for you. So if that option's okay, then maybe this is something you say, hey, I'm open to that. I'm going to not get this evaluation because I will be okay if this child is not genetically mine. Those are all good options. The reality is that you cannot do it all. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can't. You cannot do it all. I really wish that that was possible. I certainly overload my plate and put too much on my to-do list at any given moment. But being a mom will challenge you in ways that you never knew. I mean, the truth is that I honestly thought because I was in medicine and I had survived a residency that I would be okay. I was used to the really long call. I was used to not sleeping very much. And so I honestly thought that having a newborn would not be that much different than being a medical resident. I mean, that's the most foolish thing I've ever thought in my whole life because having a newborn rocks your world. It rocks your world. And that is not scary. That is the truth. It's because it's beautiful. It's a life. This is a little life you created and or carried or were granted the opportunity to care for however that little life came to you. And it takes a lot of work to keep something alive. And that's the truth, man. That is a level of exhaustion that I never knew. I never realized that being a mom of a newborn was so tremendously exhausting. Going to work when your baby is five weeks old is so incredibly challenging, both from a physical standpoint. You're still healing from giving birth. You may or may not be trying to breastfeed. You're still trying to figure out what type of schedule to have. And then you're expected to go back into the workplace at this really quick interval because this is medicine and function as if you'd never been out and function at the exact same pace as if all this other stuff wasn't going on. And that is going to be hard in medical school, in residency, in fellowship, as an attending, in private practice, no matter what you do. That's the real life. I wish it was that we would get 12 to 16 weeks off for some really extended period of time. There's pros and cons to that. 
I mean, certainly when you're done with training, you have more freedom and flexibility, but it's also really hard to leave your patients. One thing about being a trainee is these are often everybody's patients. You're one of a group taking care of them. When you're out afterward, depending on what you do, these are your people. These are people who are coming to you for you to take care of them. And very often, that's hard to let them down. It doesn't mean you should put your patients before you. You've got to take care of you. You've got to make decisions in line with your family. But the truth is, when you feel the ache to be a mother, that's when you start to go down that pathway. So just as I'm sitting here telling you, hey, pick a career, a little bit with blinders on, just pick the thing you're passionate about, you do the same thing for motherhood. When you're ready, you don't listen to what everybody else is saying about it. You don't listen to the internal voice that says, hey, Nat, your co-fellows are going to have to work so much, they're going to hate you. Hey, your attendings are going to think that you're not serious about being a good fertility doctor because you took two maternity leaves in your fellowship. You're not going to listen to that. You're also not going to put blinders on and pretend that you're not going to be one of the ones impacted. Just as you have worked a really long time on the goal towards being a doctor, you have taken MCATs, you are pre-med, you did requirements, you have planned out all these things, you've learned how to study, you've missed out on parties, you made this a priority. If you want to be a mom, make it a priority to you guys, which means don't go into something blindly. That's not what smart women do. Understand what your goals are and what your timeline is and set some objective parameters. Hey, I'm going to check that AMH test by this age if I'm not ready or haven't found the right person. I'm going to consider freezing my eggs. Yes, it costs money. It does. You guys, everything in life costs money. And the technology is amazing. I mean, we are taking one cell, a one cell thing, and we are freezing it. And it is going to turn into a baby potentially in the future. That is freaking amazing. To think that we should be doing that at a discount rate, that is just not smart, okay? We're not trying to do discount IVF here. We want your eggs to be as viable as possible. And there's an expense with the technology. That doesn't mean that you can't plan this out, budget for it years in advance, ask for this as a gift, ask for a loan, make priorities that arrange with you. We couldn't do egg freezing. It was experimental until 2012. And I really hate studies that are telling you that, well, only 6% of women use their frozen eggs a lot of women have eggs frozen and they haven't reached the time when they're ready to use them. Meaning if you froze them at age 30 and that was four years ago and you're 34, you may still very well use those eggs. You just haven't reached the age where you're ready to. If you're interested, you just need to know that egg freezing is not an insurance policy. It is just planning well. You have to know that the only insurance policy is holding a baby in your arms. And even then, motherhood's going to bring on a whole new level of anxiety and worrying that you never knew existed. But the real truth about being a mom in medicine or a working mom in any field is back to the fact that you can't do it all. And that is important because it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to realize that you're worn down and exhausted. It is okay to outsource. It is okay to not be the one doing all of the domestic responsibilities and maintaining a full-time job and keeping a baby alive. You've got to come to terms with what you need to do 
what you can outsource and what you can ask for help. I know that when I had my children, I really felt like I shouldn't be asking for help on certain things. I should be able to do this all. And guys, you can't really be a good mom or the best mom that you can if you're not taking care of yourself. Your kids see this. They see if you're happy, if you're sad. They see if you're running yourself ragged. I mean, they don't when they're a newborn, but they will when they get older. And so you've got to learn to schedule in the time for you to ask for help. Hey, hubby, I need you to watch the kid for 30 minutes so I can go for a run. Hey, I'm going to drop the baby at the daycare at the gym and let a stranger watch him for 30 minutes so I can work out. Hey, I'm going to hire a babysitter for Tuesday night because our relationship needs us to have some alone time, not just parent time all the time. Hey, somebody's going to clean the house. Hey, I'm not going to cook all the dinners or we're going to compromise on this or we're going to eat the same thing every week. I mean, do you know that's what we usually do? I mean, like tacos on Tuesday and stir fry on this night and pasta on this night. And that is fine. Simplify your life when you need to. You don't have to have a gourmet meal every night. You do not have to make baby food from scratch. You don't have to pump enough breast milk for the baby to get to age three. Like you can do your best and your best is going to be okay. And the things that you can't do, find it in yourself to step back and like be Elsa. Let it go. You can do so many things, but you cannot do everything. You can't do it alone. And that's one of the biggest things you learn about being a mom. I love being a mom. It is really one of the best gifts I've ever been given. And as much as I love helping my patients become moms, and this is a huge passion of mine to educate and empower women, being a mom is the greatest gift that I have. Being able to watch these kids grow and develop, that is so meaningful because I know what it feels like to wear your heart outside your body on your children. I want every woman to have that. And I want you, if it's important to you, to make sure you're in the best position. I can tell you that you are strong. You can handle almost anything. And I see strong women every day across from me in the office doing really brave things, being very vulnerable, and being put in a position they never thought they would be in. And I think that's one of the hardest things with infertility. It takes everybody by surprise. And so I want you to know this. You may have infertility. You don't know until you start trying. You deserve to be educated about it. It is not scary to come and see me. You should not be in denial. And setting expectations appropriately helps us understand what the future may hold. Being a mom is an amazing thing. If being a mom is important to you, the very last thing I want you to do is sacrifice the ability to have a child on the foundation of trying to become a doctor. Being a doctor is a wonderful, wonderful job. I've only always wanted to be a doctor. I love it with all the passion that I have. I get to get up and go to work and help people change the entire trajectory of their lives. It is such an honor to be able to have people entrust their care to you. But listen, it is not worth sacrificing yourself. This is your one life. 
This is your one life, your one body, your one chance to become a parent. There's other paths, right? So what happens if you have infertility? What if you never get to be a mom? Will you get the choice then to say, hey, I'm going to walk away from this. This isn't for me. Or you get the choice to explore the other options. Carry a baby, have an egg donor, use a surrogate, adopt, whatever it is. But then you're at least the one in control. No path to parenthood is better than the other. And I really mean that. And that's what I want to leave you here today. I want you to know that you are worth it. You and your dreams and your future family are not worth compromising purely in the process of medicine. Medicine will eat you up and spit you out. It's a great, great life, but you can get lost in it. And I've gotten lost in it in the past. And finding yourself and staying true to who you are is one of the best things that you can do for you along this entire journey. And I promise you, you will be a better doctor for it and you will be a better mother if you want to be a mother. But what I want you to stop doing is making excuses for putting yourself last and I want you to stop shaming other women. I want you to remember that no choice is right or wrong and what's right for you is not going to be right for everybody. Just as you don't want to be judged and shamed for your choices, stop doing it to other people. Stop putting them in uncomfortable situations. Stop asking them if they're pregnant or not. Stop asking them when they're going to have kids, how many kids they're going to have, why they're going to have a C-section. Are they going to breastfeed? Is their baby sleeping in a crib or a rock and play or their bed or a bassinet? Not your business, okay? It's not. In the same way, you can tell your friends, hey, I'm there for you. And I think it's important that you share your story. One of my patients who is young, who has bad endometriosis, found out in the course that she had blocked tubes and had to do IVF to get pregnant. And that's a pretty shocking thing to hear in one visit. And she told me that from listening to the podcast, she decided to tell her best friend what she was going through. And they didn't really talk about trying to get pregnant or anything like that. And her best friend opened up that she'd been through IVF herself and hadn't told her. Suddenly, these two friends are supporting each other. And they were previously hiding this huge part of themselves. It's not worth it. We only break the stigma if we break the stigma. We break the stigma by talking about it, by not being afraid of taking the leave to go get pregnant, by not being afraid of saying, I'm doing IVF. I can't do this. I have to, I have an appointment I have to make. By making yourself a priority, by talking about the things you are going through, you will empower others to change the course of their own journey. And that is so inspirational. Your struggle, your vulnerability, your bravery, it will matter. And so if you dare, I challenge you to share. Share pieces of this side of your life so that together we can say that there's not a stigma about when to be a mom in medicine. We've got to lessen the shame of going out on maternity leave, that we are functioning as less than, that we need pump breaks, or that we need to do fertility treatments to get pregnant. This is just a part of life, you guys. I want to thank you so much for listening today. This topic just really means a lot to me. I'm also going to say this is wrapping up National Infertility Awareness Week, and I've been blown away by everybody rallying together and sharing their support. 
I have been so inspired by all of the people sharing their personal stories with infertility, and it is going to change the game for so many women. And I just want to say, especially to the women in medicine, bravo, keep it up. By talking about things, we start to make a change. We must first acknowledge what is there before we can ever start to make big changes. So a big thank you from me to you. Also, the As A Woman podcast is still very new, and I appreciate every review, every rating, every share, every single thing that you do. It means so much to me. I can't wait to hear what you think, so please feel free to send me a message. Feel free to comment on Instagram. I'm at Natalie Crawford MD, and you can also follow along on the blog at nataliecrawfordmd.com. Join us for next week's episode, number 16, The Truth About Miscarriage. See you then. Mm -hmm.